if you were trying to explain to somebody else in words, you can't. In fact, no, I cannot explain in words what I know, but I know it. And that podcast is trying to do a very difficult task yeah. of speaking of that which can't be spoken of. It sounds yeah. like a strange thing to say, but again, you're pointing back to that the essence of who we are, that which is before personality, that which is before our personal history, that is that going back to the very source of that. And then once we find that source, radiating from that source in the world, once we found it, we then almost allow that to, to shine forth from us. And that is the essence for me of being who we are. It's when we remove all the beliefs, the limiting ideas of who we thought we were. And once you do that, all that's left is who you truly are. Ryan Hartley here, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. Welcome back to the interview sessions where I put my curious questions to inspiring people. If you have been listening to this podcast since day one, you will recognize today's guest. If you are part of our Facebook community, you will recognize today's guest. And while you're thinking, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for pushing play on our podcast. I really hope that spending time together leaves you better in some way. And if you are better for it, bring someone along too. I think this journey is meant to be shared with good people. So make sure you bring people along, bring people into our community and allow them to be inspired by our guests too. A big thanks to Web Creation. Head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. So today, we welcome back Sean Brown. Sean is a friend. He's my personal mentor. He is a coach. He is a teacher. He is a speaker. And he is an incredible human being. Sean and I connected some four years ago now. And he has been such a life-giving friend. Um, And I always have such deep contemplative meaningful joyful conversations with him and i'm just really excited to be able to share another great conversation but with you being able to listen i hope that you hear something in the next 40 minutes that that catches your captures your imagination captures your heart and your mind that deepens your understanding of this world and your role and your position within it This is episode 149 with our good friend, Sean Brown. Enjoy, my friends. Sean Brown, welcome back to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, mate. How are you? I'm great, mate. It's good to be back. Uh, Uh, Am I the first repeater or... There's there's been a couple, but the time is right. The time is now, isn't it? It is. Nice nice to be back here. Good man, it's like episode four. Like, I look back, I've just done a, a little quick look back at the YouTube video, and I'm like, without beard. And I think the one thing that's really cool is that we've got great energy. We were just laughing and smiling through the whole episode, and, and I already feel that now already. Yeah, man, definitely. There'll be a lot of smiling, hopefully, some laughter. Yeah, man, uh, certainly not singing uh, Oasis Wonderwall at the end. <laughs> Did we do that? Yeah. <laughs> well, nice. yeah, I, I guess I just prefix this, you know, because I've got a, a bit of a bigger audience than I did back then. And, and lots of people maybe not have gone back and lo- watched the original episodes. And, and you know, just, just to give some context, Sean was 
um, in the in the personal development circle that my wife found herself in with a network marketing company. And, and I'd often hear this guy's voice. Uh, you know, my wife, you know, she's off supposedly running her makeup business. And I'm hearing <laughs> this guy's voice coming <laughs> from her. I'm hearing this guy. I'm like, what is what is she watching or why is she paying attention to him and not me? And, uh, and, and it actually got to a point where we'd look forward to your lives each week. And we'd kind of sit there and watch them together. And nice. no matter how much like I'd get cross that mm. you and I were saying similar things and yet she would take your word for it, not mine. <laughs> but it was amazing. And, and, and like the, the testament to you testament is that um, you and Lisa were having some conversations about kind of where she was at and and she had obviously said that I was doing uh, something similar or, or at least wanting to do something similar in the coaching space. I was at the police at the time and you were just like, yeah, well, let's talk. And I was just like, what? Like, who does that? And like, <laughs> I just think, I think the kindness and the time you extended me was just real pivotal, real valuable time. I've always considered you a great mentor and friend of mine. And and I just want my audience to know that, that, you know, you, you've played such a huge part in, in, in me not holding myself back. I think there was a time at the police where I felt, who uh, was Ryan Hartley to share his voice with the world. Everybody felt, I felt like yeah. everybody was watching and had an opinion. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, you're just having you in my corner. My friend was just, just so um, just great for me to have at that time. And I've never, ever taken that for granted and just want the people that are listening to know that. Oh, well, thank you for that. And from my perspective, the reason why I reached out and was just like, nothing to do with money or anything like that, just wanted to reach out was mm. because I remember being in that exact same position. I remember watching somebody else. Mm. And um, I went to a training event when I was still teaching. I watched somebody doing, like being on stage and talking. And then something inside me went, whoa, I want to do that. <laughs> and I could see that in you. It's like you were chomping at the bit to just go. And I was like, you don't need anything technical from me. He almost just needs me to say, do you know, you, you can actually do this to start. That's all you needed. You didn't need anything else. So yeah. I thought I want to be the person to step in there because I can see it in him. He's ready. He's, he's got what he needs to, he already got everything that he needs. So I want to be the person to just get in there and say, you know, let's, let's go, let's get after it. And, Look at you now. <laughs> oh, mate, it's I good fun, it. man. It's good fun. Anyway, this is about you. This is about you. And and I, um, I want to make space for the podcast that you've just started. But the other thing just to talk about our conversations is that I always, I, so I started this game in the mindset kind of territory. You know, I was a man of science, a man of mind. But the thing I could always rely on great conversations with you was that we would contemplate the, <laughs> the nature of the universe. We, yeah. You know, I'd be, I'd be having, I wouldn't have conversations like I have with you with anybody else. So just, they just weren't, they were just on a whole nother level of depth and contemplation and curiosity. I but, and I always remember that you would talk about the essence of who we are mm -hmm. and, um, you know, in our natural state. And I want to make space for that today because I'd love to kind of allow people into that kind of conversations that you and I would have had over the years that, yeah, man. that I think I'm ready to have publicly now because i think i've grasped my own i've got my own heart and mind around some of these ideas um mm -hmm. but let's talk about the podcast you've called it the bu podcast with sean brown yep uh, and and i know that you want it to be just one little ripple effect little ripple in the ocean talk to us about your heart for the podcast and why now yeah man um and, and that yeah that's the main sentiment behind it so it's called BU podcast because ultimately through all the things I've studied and all the coaching sessions that I've done and all the 
children that I've taught and just all the different places where I've been in an environment where we're talking about performance. I'm talking broader than that. We're talking about life and how to live it. Yeah. It seems to always come down to freeing ourselves to become the most authentic version of ourselves that we, that we can. And there's, there's challenges built into being a human being that come along with that journey. So for those who recognize that journey and want to take it, the, that podcast, Be You, is for them. It's for them to reflect first and foremost. It's not me saying, this is, it's not like a tick list. These are the things you need to be authentic or you're not authentic, you're not doing this. It's not, it's not prescriptive at all. It is more a place for reflection and, and to take a, just take a moment to drop any notion of what it actually means to be ourselves and to really get into, as you were saying before, to get away from the intellectualization of it mm. and get into the feeling sense of it where it's that sort of thing where nobody else can ever tell it you, but you recognize it and know it in yourself. And we've all had those moments where we've recognized something that if you were trying to explain it to somebody else in words, you can't. Fact, no, I cannot explain in words what I know, but I know it. And that podcast is trying to do a very difficult task yeah. of speaking of that which can't be spoken of, which sounds yeah. like a strange thing to say. But again, you're pointing back to that, the essence of who we are, that which is before personality, that which is before our personal history, that is that going back to the very source mm -hmm. of that. And then once we find that source, radiating from that source in the world, once we found it, we then almost allow that to, to shine forth from us. And that is the essence for me of being who we are. It's when we remove all the beliefs, the limiting ideas of who we thought we were. And once you do that, all that's left is who you truly are. So that's yeah. what the podcast explores. I love that. And, and I, you know, I, a friend of mine, she gave me this image from the last samurai. It's when, um, is it Tom Cruise? He's, he's trying to do this thing. And the other guy's like, too many mind. <laughs> too many. And, and I think the world kind of, I think we suffer with this, this we're too clever or too many mind and and that intellectual understanding i think what you just said is that sometimes when we get past that when we get past that intellect we get back well, yeah, to the definitely i think um how i would say it is that intellect is a great tool yes. but what we what we've done as a society is we have put it on a pedestal Yes. And we and we champion the intellect above everything else. Yeah. So that's what's happened. Um, you think about in school, and I'm talking from experience as a teacher as well. School for me, my personal experience of school is quite easy because intellectually I'm I'm pretty sharp. Um, I'm not saying that in like an arrogant way, I'm quite <laughs> lucky, like you know what I mean? I didn't find yeah. school yeah. stuff that difficult. But when I became a teacher, I noticed, oh, not everybody's built like me. I think when you're going through school, you're just looking at it from your own narrow perspective. Sure. But when I got back in, I was like, oh, my days, there's, there's such variety in, in, in this group of children in front of me. Some of them are like me, like brain, intellect, brainiacs. Some of them are. Some of them have got a different type of intelligence, but it's intelligence nonetheless. Mm. You give them you know, a bunch of materials and say, make something. You do that to me. You ain't getting anything, right? Like it'll look worse. <laughs> it will look worse than when it was just a pile of stuff. But you give that to a particular child in the class, and they will construct something out of that that will blow your mind. That's intelligence. Yes. You get you get another child on you know on a sports field and give them a ball or give them a track say do that and they excel. That's a different form of intelligence. Mm. But what we've done is we've put the intellect on this pedestal. Mm. So then what can happen is 
we can feel that if we don't fit that mold of intellect first, that we're somehow efficient. And I think that's a very, very dangerous thing to do because what it doesn't allow us to honor is that natural intelligence. And I talk about that a lot in my podcast. Natural intelligence for me is that where the intellect is being used in its proper context as a tool, you know, to decipher the world of form and all different things that are in it. That's what it's useful for. And to remember, I've got a podcast at a particular time. I need to be there and, and all the other things. But there's so much more to how we operate and how we perform, which hasn't been given the airtime that I think it needs. And, you know, when I watch you and I listen to you, you talk about the heart a lot. And that acknowledgement of the heart symbolically for me represents our shared knowing that there is something beyond the intellect that doesn't neglect the intellect or say you're wrong. It incorporates the intellect into it, but there's something broader than that, vaster than that, grander than that, that we can all link into and share. And when we're in that space, we are operating in a different way that honors the intellect and brings it in, but doesn't make the intellect exclusive. Like that's the only way that you can move through the world. Um, so yeah, that's sort of how I see that. I, I think that that's when education will reform, when we honor the natural intelligence that we all have, rather than trying to shoehorn, you know, brain intelligence onto everybody and say, everybody's got, got to fit that mold. That's when um, education will reform. That's when workplaces will reform. That's when we will be able to have conversations about difficult topics in the world without attacking each other and getting into camps. Because what we're doing then is we're defending our intellectual position mm. rather than coming to the conversation of the openness. Like between us, we can find something if we can stay open. But as soon as we fall into intellectual camps, now it's about, well, I'm going to protect how I see it. You're going to protect how you see it. So we're not actually going to get anywhere. And so there's all these little caveats of life mm. where something that seems, when you say it, it sounds quite glib, is actually huge in mm. its implication. And that's why, for me, in my own sort of journey, in my own understanding of this, I try to model and represent as a person where this can go, that you don't have to, you don't have to go down one particular track. There's not just one way that a successful life can look there are many meant so many mm. yeah and, and i think what you just said there is an allusion to separation so whichever camp you're in and i know that a lot of our original conversations focused around this concept of oneness mm -hmm. like how do you how do how do you simplify the understanding of of oneness and its implications for for people if you imagine that you spent a day, like I'm just literally looking outside now and I can see my God, quite lush at moment actually. But if you imagine that you, you spent a day and rather than going through the day and labeling everything as different things, for example, I can see sunflowers, I can see grass, I can see the sky, I just saw a magpie. If you, we could recognize that all of that is actually life. Mm. All of it is life. In varying forms, yes, but ultimately when you dig down to it, it's life itself. That's when you're starting to find the unifying factor that unifies all things. And I'm talking beyond just humans. People talk about this in like a very human context because we're humans. But I think it goes beyond that. This, this, this natural intelligence binds all natural things within itself. So you start with all of life. You then go to the planet itself. You then go to the cosmos itself. Mm -hmm. All of it is life. 
So if all of it is life, it all has one unifying source. That's how we get away from separation. Separation happens in the mind when we start to go this and that. As mm-hmm. soon as we go there, we have things that are in opposition to each other. And then we distinguish them as being different from each other, which is fine if you can leave it just at that. But what then happens, which is the dangerous part where separation can become problematic, is we make conclusions from those distinctions. That's mm-hmm. how racism happened. So mm-hmm. racism was, you, your skin color is this, which means that about you, which mm-hmm. isn't true, but then when you start buying into the secondary bit, the conclusions, the stories, racism begins, elitism begins, sexism begins, you're female, which means this. Mm. All that which means this bit isn't true. Yeah. None of it is. When we recognize that male, female, whatever race, you know, whatever creed, whatever religious, whatever, that all of it is still a part of life itself, life itself is a bit that holds us all together. So that's how we can, we can go through the world as an individual, but still retain our sense of an understanding of universality around all of it. Because all, in essence, the same thing disguised as different things. Mm. But a lot of us see it as different things because that's what we see in our eyes and never make that jump to see, oh, it's just a, it's just a different variation of the same thing. Mm. Yeah, that's really life, life itself. That's so that's really as simple as I can put it without going you know, down into yeah. the rabbit hole, so to speak. <laughs> well, and, and then when you, and so I, I quite naively use the word implications and, and, and some of the things you've just said there around racism, sexism, all the sort of humanistic problems that we have in the world, greed, and mm-hmm. they are some of the implications of, of, uh, of a superior, you know, a, a superior intellectual race. And I think... Always, mate. Always. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts. I'll never forget um, watching, I was with the kids, and we watched Pocahontas, and there's a scene in Pocahontas towards the end, there's like a song, and it's um, like Pocahontas' tribe, and yeah. then the, um, I can't remember the name, um, the crew came over, I think they were English. John Smith. Over, yeah, John Smith and co. And, and what's fascinating is they're singing the same song, mm-hmm. and what they're doing is they're pointing out what's different about the others. And then the conclusion they come to is they're different, so they can't be trusted. We must bang the drums of war. And that's that that is such a beautiful illustration of what separation is. To the mind, sometimes different equals unknown, unknown equals threat, threat equals attack before I'm hurt. So the, the mind goes down this chain of warped perception sometimes when we when we're dealing in those terms. Yeah. Do you know what? I used to look up at the sky, see the stars, and used to feel so insignificant. I used to, mm. I used to look at the vastness and think, God, there's so much out there beyond me. And I don't know, in the last 18 months, I've gone, that's part of me. You know, there is something that, inherent in the cosmos that is within me. That's exactly me. it. When you're looking at the stars, in essence, you're looking at yourself. Mm. Nuts, isn't it? And I, be, so if I'm listening to this podcast right now, two years ago, I'm like, what are these guys chatting about? <laughs> and I've come to the understanding, the realization that if Big Bang, you know, we believe the Big Bang, right? What science? Then everything, because we're all made up of matter and particles and atoms, they were all together in the center of the universe at one point. Mm-hmm. And creation has just continued over billions and billions of years. But what was at the center of the universe is all within us. Yeah, exactly. 
and, and, so, and so even when you look at it from a scientific perspective, what we're saying still makes sense. Mm. Um, and that's what you, you will eventually find. Whether you climb the, whether you climb the intellectual peak of science, okay. or whether you climb the peak of religion, or whether you climb the peak of philosophy, whichever way you go towards the mountain, when you get to the peak, you'll probably find that everybody at the top seeing the same thing. It doesn't look the same because you're all starting at different points. You're mm. starting to climb it from different places, but the peak is the peak. And when you get to the peak, you have the panoramic view, which unifies all those things that look separate once when you are on your ascendancy. And so that's how you can have, I remember I used to, um, you know, read science books and read religious books. And there will always be these outliers in all of these different disciplines who all seem to be saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, how, how are they saying the same thing? Whereas lots of their peers are arguing. And I think what it was, was those who were saying the same thing had seen the same thing from different viewpoints mm. because they'd got to that same peak that we're sort of talking about describing. Yeah. And I don't mean peak as in the best. Sure. I just mean peak in terms of there is a particular perspective that once we arrive at, starts to knit things together and show their harmony rather than looking at what seems to be a bunch of um, separate bits and components. Well, it's living lives of wisdom that allows that natural intelligence to be revealed to itself, I think. Yeah, and and we know this. Like, you watch children, young Mm. age, Mm. and they live with an understanding of who we are because they don't... don't (laughs) Because the world hasn't told them otherwise yet. Yeah, exactly. They don't discriminate. They just get on with it. You know, put two kids together super young, just like play, they play. Even if they can't speak the same language, they find a way to play and to sort of ex- enjoy each other's time without the, ooh, you look different to me, or you don't speak like me. They're not interested anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's just as we get older, we start, to, we start to take on board these concepts and ideas and beliefs. Some of them are helpful, don't get me wrong, but some of them then become limiting to our own growth moving forward. And so it's just being, it's just being sort of having the awareness to see, you know, does this, does this idea serve me? Where did this idea come from? Is this idea mine or was I given this idea? And I never actually challenged it. <laughs> and that's the game of awareness. And it's the game of awareness that opens you up. If you're willing to go down that road, it's the game of awareness that opens you up to yourself. You start to see yourself and all your foibles and all the areas where, you know, you're falling short. But if you can see that without judgment and just look, you start to notice, you know, almost like the um, the avatar that you've constructed mm. in the mind. And then you notice how some of that doesn't serve you anymore. Mm. It served you at one point, maybe, but it doesn't serve you anymore. Yeah. I'm a fan of Disney films just like you, and uh, Disney's soul was a great representation of, of that is... Uh, mm is almost understanding that we come to this earth as a soul and we've got pre-configured um, likes, dislikes, personality traits, and actually life becomes a discovery of those things, of the, of the, of the things within us, because all they desire is to be made manifest in the world. What's your take on that? Um, I found Soul to be a, a great movie. Um, the, the aspect of it I loved, Similar to what you're saying, was the, the, I don't do spoilers if anybody hasn't seen it before. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't spoil so like watch it. <laughs> but um, what I liked was the sort of revelation that the main character had. Yeah. Where he was chasing this great, grand, almost like this great, grand moment. 
Like, I've arrived. Purpose, I'm finally yeah. significant. Yeah. And he realized that the significance wasn't in the great and grand, that the significance is in here and now. Sure. And, and when he saw yeah. that, that's when his life truly began. Because yeah. another thing that, and I, I'm guilty of this in the past, yeah, yeah, yeah. feeling like, oh, I've got to get to a certain milestone. Or I've yeah, got to yeah, get yeah. to a certain point. I've got to achieve certain numbers or yeah. certain salary or certain body fat percentage. And we set up all yeah. these all these pursuits of greatness yeah. and, and we miss the, the trip that greatness is here and now if we have the capacity to enjoy here and now as it is and to be present now as yeah. it is and be at peace you've already won everything yeah, yeah, else yeah. is everything else is trinkets compared to that feeling yeah. of i'm at peace in my soul mm. people would pay would give everything that they've got in exchange for that so yeah. if you have that, <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? It's funny because that, that the bit that I'm imagining now, as you say, it, is he's just delivered. He's Joe, isn't it? He delivers the best gig he's ever done on stage, and then he's in uh, outside the gig at the end, and he's just like, "I just thought I'd feel different." Yep, and that story that the lady gives, that story is the moral of that film. Mm. And but and, and and people missed it. You mentioned talk about the fish. <laughs> that story man is a profound story what she's saying and, yeah. and we've all been there I've been there I know you've been there with the moments that you've had where yeah. you think this is going to be it and then it, it happens and you're like oh like, I'm pretty much the same like, tell me, like, I'm the same so it, it took now? me a little while to get me up my head around the moral of, of what she said and she, it's like the fish is seeking to get to the ocean and the lady says you're already in the ocean exactly that, and, and that's profound if you're always seeking what you don't think you have, you don't realize that you've had it the whole time. <laughs> and, 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 and we can spend a lifetime doing that. We can spend our whole existence chasing what we've already got. I love kids' films. <laughs> yeah, I think because with, when, you, when, you're, when you're creating a kids' film, a lot of the time, you have to, you have to make the film simple. But there's lots of... There's lots of wisdom in simplicity. And so because it's, it's mm. simple and it's got to be clear, I, I do think that the way that a message communicates sometimes in, in children's films is really powerful because you can't hide behind fancy stuff that impresses adults. Kill about board, children like, that makes this. Um, whereas with children's films, you've got, got to get to the point, you've got to have something to say, it's got to mm. do you know what I mean. And so that simplicity, I always find that, if, if someone can explain something simply, then they've probably mastered it. Yeah. If someone has to go like a big, long, convoluted conversation, mm. they're probably still just intellectually flexing, which is okay. Mm. But it's a bit like when I go to a mechanic and I'm like, something wrong with my car, and he explains to me what's wrong with my car in the way that I go, oh, I sort of get that. I have no decent knowledge on cars, but he's communicated it to me in a way that I sort of get it because mm. he's mastered all of that. Mm. So there's something in being able to, to convey something to somebody else simply, which shows your level of understanding with what you're communicating. Love that. You're a United fan. Ronaldo's returned home. How are you feeling about it? Great. Um, I don't think it's going to win us the league. I hope I'm wrong. But what was great about it? I don't hope you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but the game, the game um, that's just gone, um, played Villarreal. That's the difference that he makes. So yeah. we were getting bossed by Villarreal and Villarreal scored. And what was interesting was a shot to Ronaldo 
And they probably expected Ronaldo to be having a hissy fit because that's how the sort of training you need. Yeah, yeah. What I noticed was he was shouting at the rest of the team saying, Oi, switch on. Mm. It's st- we're still on. And he's saying, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go. And that's what Ronaldo brings, which is different. He is just built different in terms of no matter what the score is, no matter how the game's going, you can tell he always believes we're still going to win. Until it's done and the full-time whistle's gone, at no point does he think it's over, ever. And that's the difference that he's brought to that team. That team didn't have that before. Like that, just that rock, solid, and can be perceived as arrogant, but it can't be arrogant because what he's saying and what he does matches. That's not arrogance, it's just mm-hmm. what it is. He brings that to the team. And so the whole team is lifted by his presence. So I'm excited because of that. Um, and obviously for nostalgia, because I remember watching him when I was a lot younger and just being in awe of, one, how great he was at the game, but also just being able to watch someone just walk in their own greatness and, and be very comfortable with it. He's very un-English, do you know what I mean? Like, we're used to people being like super humble, like, oh, well, it wasn't like this, whatever. And I remember, it's so funny, when he was a lot younger and he was at, he was, he was at some premiere or something, it was him, because it was Rio Ferdinand and somebody else. And they said to them, who's the best player ever? Rio Ferdinand said like, might have said Maradona or Pele or something like that. Yeah. I think it was Anderson who would play. He said something like that. And Ronaldo said, me. And they and the other two were laughing at it. And he sort of laughed afterwards. But when he said it, he was dead serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was, <laughs> <laughs> he was dead belief serious. Is true, true belief, isn't it? And, and I guess yeah. uh, I could see Nathan over your shoulder. He's uh, becoming a young man now, similar to Corey's age. And, yeah. you know, they start to look up to these people as mentors, you know, gone are the days when it's just the dad in the world. <laughs> they're, they're looking up to me and you. They're starting to get role models out in the world. How do you feel about, um, you know, bringing up Nathan in a world of mentors and role models? And oh, Nathan's on his journey, man. Like, I can't control that. Um, <laughs> so he's going to be inspired by whoever he's inspired by. Mm. Um and I think my only job is once, once whoever he's sort of been inspired by is sort of tapping into his zest for life, his, you know, his joy for life and, and his journey in a way that I feel isn't going to harm him, it's going you know, to be who it is. You know, at the end of the day, he supports Liverpool, so I've had to come to people. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that's sort of what I mean. Like, it's his, it's his journey, it's his life. Yeah, like, yeah. I, can't, yeah. I can't dictate who he supports. So... Yeah. In a way, I've got to let all that go and let him just and let him go. It sounds sounds weird, doesn't it? Because yeah. we're our children, but almost let him go, but always be there at the same time. Which mm. sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. Mm. Let him go live, but be there always as a support, as someone that he can run to and all of that. Always be there for that, but trying to let him go and sort of become his own person at the same time. Again, we could bring it back to Disney. It's like leading like Crush, isn't it? The big turtle. It's just like being there. And, and when the little turtle falls off into the jet stream, he's like, whoa. Yeah. Jelly man, just chill. <laughs> exactly. And I remember when, because Nathan played football now, and I remember the first time someone put like a, a bit of a tackle on him. And the dad in me is sort of like, destroyed that <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, want, you want to run up the pitch. Let him know you're in a game. Slide <laughs> tackle, like just crushing kid. But then, but then after that, he go it protective, I'm going to kill everyone mode. Stop. It's like, no, this is his, 
he's got to learn from this. So I'm, I'm dead silent, didn't say anything. He looked at me and I'm like, you're all right. And he's like, brushed himself up and carried on. And it's things like that where, look, he, you know, he's in pain. He's just been cropped by someone, but it's his journey. Mm. It's his journey, like, to learn to deal with setbacks and difficulties and pain because there's going to be moments like that, but to still be there and support. Um, that sort of feels like how our relationship is going at the moment. Mm. Oh, it's such a paradox, isn't it? It's such a paradox. And I was fortunate enough that Corey followed the blue. Unfortunately, you've seen the pictures of Brooke. Like <laughs> her, <laughs> her nature is um, antagonistic at best. So unfortunately, granddad got in there and bought her a full Liverpool kit, much to my displeasure. <laughs> Always makes me chuckle. I can still see that picture now. And oh, it's a face because she knows. You can tell the face Ah, oh, she knows just the kid. delight. She runs in, she's doing pirouettes in this Liverpool kit. <laughs> oh, kids, you'd have them. But you know, I'd, I'd love that you talk about this, getting to the truth and the essence of who we are. Like, mm-hmm. how does um, how does how does one explore? You know, the world has told us who we are in many respects, or maybe told us who we're not or what we don't have. Yeah. How do we shut that noise out and reconnect to this essence and truth of who we are? I think the answer to that, I don't think there's one answer. I don't yeah. think there's a uniform answer. And, yeah. and, and, and that's because how we're built can be so different. Yeah. The nature of the conditioning that we've got can be so different. Mm-hmm. That the antidote to that conditioning, therefore, has to look different as well. Cool. What worked for you? Um, what worked for me was recognizing from my own experience, like looking at what my own experience was telling me mm. compared to the stories I had in my head and what they were telling me and noticing there was a difference between the two. Mm. That's what worked for me. So I would, you know, I would expect one thing and then experience something else. And I was like, yeah. well, I, can't, I can't go against what my experience has shown me because it's my experience has happened. So it's a bit like, if you imagine like science, and back in the day in science, I'm not massively scientific, but I remember in secondary school, like the layout of a science experiment was, you always started off with your plan and your hypothesis. And the hypothesis is, this is what I think will happen. But surely it takes a terrible scientist who goes, this is what I think will happen, and then twist the data to make that happen. The true scientist is never in love with the hypothesis. The true scientist is in love with the truth. So a, a true scientist will have a hypothesis, but then will always trust the results. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, it was a bit like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you start to do that, you, you're, you can be surprised by what you start to discover. Mm-hmm. And it then- reminds, Sorry, Karen. No, go, go, you go, you go. I was gonna say, I've been listening to Dr. Bruce Lipton who talks about the wisdom of yourselves. And he says that in science, he says that there are no uh exceptions to the rules there is always meaning yeah and, and i guess it's having that curiosity to go and understand that and the openness right because mm. the conditioning is like a groove that's been sort of worn in over time so it does take a level of going into the wilderness so to speak to start challenging that mm. this is why you can find people who've, who've had the same old and um, same ingrained ideas for years and years and years that you can tell the rest of the world have moved on from person hasn't and it's because they hold so cherished to them they can't even think of exploring and seeing whether these ideas still hold water or not or whether they still 
um, serve that particular person. So it does take a degree of surrender. It takes a degree of surrender to what you thought was the truth, your hypothesis, to then go and find the truth. And then the crazy thing about the truth is that I don't think the truth is a static thing. Yeah. I think that's a limiting belief. <laughs> the, the idea that the truth is this thing that once you found it never changes. I, mm. I just don't see it like that. I see, I see truth in the same way as I see our state of being, which is always evolving. So what mm. you start tuning into is a more evolved sense of what truth is. Mm. Which is why, remember when we used to talk about this back in the day, you say to me, I don't know about all this. Whereas now, you're on board. It's not that anything's changed in terms of what's true and what's not. Mm. What's changed is, is there's been an evolution in terms of our level of, our level of capacity to hold these ideas now. Those ideas have always been there. Mm. And so the evolution that we go through then allows us to be exposed to a deeper level of truth. But for me, truth is an infinite thing. You're never going to get to all of truth. And, what, and as soon as you think you've got there, then there's a whole new raft of things to then discover. Surprise! Just found that pattern <laughs> happening again and again and again, like, oh, I've arrived. <laughs> no, you haven't. Bro. <laughs> You're not even started. Yeah. Like, you think you've arrived. All you've arrived at is the next yeah, bit to yeah. unpick. And it's like an infinite, it's an infinite sort of journey of discovery. Yeah. And be careful when you start going on the discovery because then you start talking to trees, you start wanting to build an allotment. Then they're ah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fully embracing my herbit life for a long time. <laughs> well, yeah, you do. And that's what happens. So it, it, in a weird sort of way, the more, and this sounds like a paradox, but it sort of makes mm -hmm. sense. The more you tune into who we truly are in terms of all being expressions of life, paradoxically, rather than just becoming the same as everything else, mm. your individuality starts to come out, which mm. sounds like a paradox, mm. but it totally makes sense because as you start to really trust and lean into that natural intelligence, how it expresses itself is very different yeah. for different people. But you go with it now rather than questioning it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. back in the day, I'd been like, you know, I'm, I'm a city boy. What do I know about? growing this and that and yeah, what do I know yeah, about yeah. being in a country that but that's just my past yeah the truth is when I'm when I'm on the allotment and I'm in that place it's so so right for me yeah respective of what my past is or my background is or where I grew up yeah. that's the truth the idea is oh no I'm a city boy and that will never appeal to me and blah blah blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. so you can see then that as we start to lean into that that truth that we find about ourselves, it can then manifest as real strong, you know, a sense of real strong individuality, which looks to be the opposite of yeah. oneness, but it isn't because you're allowing everybody else to have that at the same time. Yeah. You're not dictating and saying, because I love a lot of this, you must love a lot of this, because I think it's this way, you mm. must think it's that way. You actually let everybody then go their own way. Yeah. You, you realize that, their path is theirs and your path is yours and it doesn't have to look like yours. Yeah. And I think that idea of, I am I, understanding the paradox because you've got this visual image of oneness, which is the complete puzzle, mm -hmm. but then each part of the puzzle connects to a specific part next to it. And I think that's what it means when we've got unique gifts and skills and talents that you would see maybe innately in your classroom. And the thing I love encouraging people is saying that that lock and key that you've got, it connects with somebody else in the world who's going to need that. Like, like you and I just said, DIY. Like for me, 
I'm never going to do it myself. Like, because, <laughs> because, <laughs> because, but I need someone in the world who's got that gift, skill and talent. Exactly. And, our, and our job is to find and connect with those people. And if that includes monetary exchange, then so be it. But exactly. <laughs> it works harmoniously. Yeah. So there is a there is a harmony that comes and that's where you can you can have you can hold the idea that looks like a contradiction in that so i never forget when i went to the choir for the first time i went along super nervous oh my god like what am i doing here but at the same time super excited and then we were just warming up and then we we're all warming up and it's like right you lot sing this you lot sing that you lot sing that so we're all singing it separately and they said right all together and we all sang and as soon as i heard that first chord i'm like I'm oh geez, this is amazing. And 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 that in that, that was the, the the paradox was no longer paradox because what you've got is you've got 30 plus voices that are individual. Yes. But when but when they're working harmoniously, they sound like one voice. Mm. And that's that's the heart of it. Yeah. So when you're when you're bringing those parts together, they do yeah. move yeah. as one. Yeah. They operate as one seamlessly. But in order to get there, each part has to be almost in its position mm. to support the collective, Love which is that. what you're saying as well. Yeah, I think some of my, I wonder how clear this is going to come. Maybe you can be the judge of this, but I, my learning that particles together become atoms and atoms together become molecules and molecules together become organisms and then we become species. We think that evolution has stopped with the human evolution is still how if we're talking about that process of one plus one plus something new creation mm. if that process of creation i think humans together the next form of that creation is what you're discussing is the united energy it is the culture that we feel the energy from it is the 60,000 fans singing you'll never walk alone electricity vibe it is the choir in harmony and I think whilst yeah. we and, and I think I don't I don't know how much we've explored this as the next phase of creation but like because we 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 understand that two separate things becoming one looks like a thing mm -hmm. we are a thing our children are a thing but that feeling of when we all come together with the same energy and love and direction and, and, and harmonious song or whatever that might be, I think that's the next palpable thing of when one plus one becomes bigger than what it's all made yeah, of. Yeah, it becomes bigger than some of its parts. And it's mm. because you recognise in that that there's something beyond it, there's something beyond what it looks what it looks like on the surface. There's something beyond that. Like, as you said, when say like you're in that crowd and you hear that and there's something in you that just absolutely revels in it. It's, it's not just because it's people, it's because it's connected you to something beyond that. It's, it's beyond it. And again, it's difficult to put words to it. People use the word love to, to, to sort of try and go there. And I think it's an appropriate one. I just think the difficulty sometimes with the word love is people's conditioning of put love in specific places of their lives. That makes sense. So a lot of people think like romance, you know, and they think of love and, and yep, yep, yep. don't see it in, in its broader terms. Like unconditional love literally means there is no condition that someone needs to meet in, in which I would withdraw my love. And then if you think of that in, in like a universal context, then you, this sounds like a bit bizarre where I'm going, but you then recognize that that universal love 
covers all the mistakes, all the things that we're getting that are sort of not great on the planet at the moment is all covered with this unconditional love, which sees it, but does not judge it, does not condemn it, does not say, right, you're going to be annihilated because of it, but allows all those mistakes to be then recognized and seen and how do we do this better? And then as you're talking about the evolution to something better happens off the back of that. And so that, that, that universal love is the, it's like the, it's like the salve that you can't see, but it's there. And there's moments when we drop into that and recognize that it's there. And, and, and there's those moments that, again, there are no words for, but there's something being communicated to you beyond the words. There's, there's never any words for it. Um, but for sure, that, that is where we're going because we can't stay where we are. We can't because we're getting to the point now where we're, te we're technologically advanced, but we are still spiritually quite juvenile. And, and that becomes a dangerous um, situation because you've got technology weapons where we could wipe each other out. And then you've got the paradigm separation, which justifies wiping each other out. That can't sustain itself, it won't sustain itself. So what has to happen is collectively, and I think it is happening, there is collective growth, but usually when you've got, when you've got growth, you've got growing pains. And I think what we're seeing in the world at the moment is a lot of those growing pains at a, at a planetary level. Mm. But it's leading somewhere. And I think the recognition that evolution always happens, we're not in control of it, something beyond us is, allows us to let the world be what it is at the moment without condemning it. Because once we're in that condemning spirit, there isn't actually anything that we can give the world anyway in order to help it get anywhere. Sean, I love sharing space and time and conversations with you. It always leaves my heart and mind expanded in some way. If there are people that are listening and they're like, I need to get around this guy, I need to hear more from him, maybe I need to work with him, where shall they head? Um, best place. I've actually got somewhere now, Ryan. That's the question <laughs> for me. <laughs> with some beautiful pictures, I might add. <laughs> uh, the best place to find me is at my website, seanbrowncoaching.com. Um, so you can find me there. There, there's a link to the podcast as well, the U podcast, which you can find normal places you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, all this stuff. Um, and yeah, the website's sort of my hub where I've got podcasts, I've got the writing that I've been sharing, um, I've got pictures of my dog on there, and you know, it's it's that's the main hub. So if anybody wants to get in touch, I would go there. And there's a contact page. I I love hearing from people and sort of connecting with people. So anybody wants to reach out and ask me anything that's the place to do it mate thank you so much thank you for your friendship thank you for your continually checking in on me it's uh, I, I don't take it for granted my friend i really appreciate it and i'd be honored if you'd leave us a final thought from your good self oh final thought uh, all my thoughts are done um, i think um, <laughs> yeah i think this conversation has been great um it's it's gone it hasn't gone where i thought it was going to go it's been very expansive conversation and i think my final thought would be you know always leave yourself open to being surprised by life mm. um don't close yourself off just allow yourself to be open go through the world and allow the world to sort of show you these things that we've sort of been alluding to here that may sound a bit like whoa how have you got to there but got there in very everyday and simple ways and everybody else can um, so just yeah always remain open and, and sort of follow 
those people who sort of reflect and represent that openness for you and let them help you to remain open and, and, and let's see what we discover in that spirit of openness, open-heartedness, just an open spirit. Sean Brown, love you, brother. Thank you. Lots of love, mate. There we go, episode 149 with our great friend, Sean Brown. Go and connect with Sean. Go and check out the BU podcast. And thank you for making it to the very end of this podcast. I hope that this has served your heart and mind well. I'd love to know what this conversation has inspired in you. Make sure that you let us know. Either you can take a screenshot and tag us both in, or you can email me, ryanbhartley at gmail.com. Always keep this podcast a two-way conversation. Thank you, my friends. Keep listening. Always love.